0: The Reclaiming the Garden podcast. We had an interview with one of our wonderful friends, Claire Murashima. Um, she is uh, she is best known, uh, I guess, on the internet at this point for being the first openly gay student body president at Calvin University, and now she is pursuing her career in journalism. Um, yeah, so it was really interesting to hear her talk about her her faith background and you know her experience of coming to terms with queer identity, coming out, and so, sort of how she views um, her work in journalism through the lens of like her faith and her identity yeah. as an Asian American woman. Um, and just so you know, um, she does start off when talking about her faith background, she mentions how she actually, she did, she actually likes the way that um, Calvin University a- approached teaching about uh, total depravity. We know that phrase can be triggering to some of our listeners, but mm-hmm. she has a kind of different take on Reformed theology. It's, it's not John Piper, we can say that. <laughs>
1: Yeah, honestly, this was such a fun interview. Uh, Claire is an absolute badass, and I'm so excited to see just, like, where she's going in her life. Um, But, yeah, why spoil it here when the interview's coming right now? So, on to the interview. Claire Murashima is a
0: Japanese-Dutch queer woman of faith. She was born and raised in Orange County, California, went to high school in Chapel Hill, North Carolina, and attended Calvin University in Grand Rapids, Michigan. During her senior year, she came out as Calvin's first openly gay student body president and is passionate about having conversations uh, about LGBTQ plus representation within religious institutions. Now she lives in Ann Arbor, Michigan, and among her many side hustles, Claire works in public radio as a producer for Stateside, a daily public radio news show from Michigan
1: Radio. Welcome to the show, Claire. I'm so excited to have you here. Thanks for having yeah. me. Also I do have to ask, you said you're from Orange County. Uh what part mm-hmm. of Orange County are you from?
0: <laughs> oh,
2: Mission Viejo, Chirico Canyon. I went to Las Flores Middle School.
1: Gotcha. So South Orange County, I guess. Yeah, are you so, from or So, no, I went to UC Irvine, so I ended up getting very, very familiar with the area. Oh, no way. <laughs> yeah, and so, I, yeah.
0: so I met uh, Claire through um, the QCF conference, or Q Christian Fellowship conference last year, and then we sort of kept connecting on the, because like the, our age group, uh, Q, Q Christian Fellowship has like age groups, and we're called the Wildcats, probably because of High School Musical, question mark. <laughs> <laughs> probably. Um... And so we had like connections, uh, we had video chats through this Facebook group. um, And yeah, I think it's so, your story is so cool and I'm so excited to chat with you. Uh, So tell us about your faith background.
2: I grew up in a Christian household. My grandparents on my dad's side are actually, they were actually Buddhists and my dad converted to Christianity when he was in high school. And my mom was born and raised in a Christian reformed background. the university that i went to calvin university it's associated with this faith denomination called the christian reform church and my mom um some of my cousins my uncles um and my grandparents all went to this university so i have a lot of relatives there it's kind of like a dutch enclave and um i was never connected with that religious tradition until i went to calvin and um I I went to a public high school and public schools my whole life. And um, I had applied to, I think, 12 schools. Most of them were big state schools, kind of just year Mm -hmm. stereotypical, you know, party school, college experience. But then at the last minute, I (laughs) kind of felt called, I guess, to go to a Christian college and I wanted to prioritize my faith. I I had gone to public schools my whole life and I was kind of curious about, um, what was what was out there and uh so that's what brought me to calvin it was one of two christian schools that i even applied to i i didn't want to even apply because my mom had gone there so many of my family had gone there my grandparents like i'm a third generation calvin student so um i went there and i (laughs) learned a lot about faith and reform theology i think i was raised in a non-denominational background and um didn't really theologically know a ton about Christianity, but going to Calvin, learning about uh, yeah, the the reformed background, total depravity, how everything is so messed up, yet we are called to be Ooh. agents of renewal and make things better. That was deeply comforting because like there's a lot of toxic positivity in a lot of Christian spheres mm-hmm. and to know yeah. that, you know, we uh, embrace the brokenness of the world. That was very deeply settling to me because the world is so messed up, and we need to realize that. So that's been my faith background.
0: Calvin was a great place to explore. I think that's a really interesting take on reform theology, mm-hmm. because, of course, also in Progressive Christian, I mean, there's like a lot of critique against like there's kind of a lot of broad brushing about what it is, you know, particularly because, like one of the mo- main main voices for reform theology is like John Piper. <laughs> Have mm-hmm. you heard of him? Mm-hmm. Oh. oh, yes.
2: I'm not super familiar with, like, John Piper, and I haven't read any of his books, but uh, I've, I've definitely heard their critiques, especially from the, you know, deconstruction-esque crowd.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I was wondering yeah, how much sure.
0: you actually, like, learned about Calvin at Calvin. <laughs> like, the, the person himself?
2: I don't know a ton. Um <laughs> I mean fun fact one time my friends like dressed up on Halloween so Halloween is also Reformation Day and that's a big deal at Calvin oh. University It's because people I don't know it's just kind of fun someone dressed up as like Martin Luther and like the door and like the oh 95 <laughs> theses and that um, is that was just <laughs> that was like a nice uh you know nexus of Halloween and the Reformation so I don't that know. Is like I the didn't nerdiest really the Halloween
1: <laughs> and I love it so much.
2: <laughs> yeah, there's just, like, a bunch of nerds, and people, uh, yeah, yeah. Um, but amazing. how much did I learn? I don't know. Um, I'm still learning. I, I took two theology classes, one my freshman year and one my senior year, and um, they were both, like, pretty chaotic experiences, but I don't know. Mm-hmm. I, I feel like through listening to podcasts, and things like that. I've, I've learned more. I, okay. So there's this podcast called cultivated with Mike Cosper from Christianity today. And there's an episode it's like reformed theology in the urban context with, I'm forgetting the name of the guest, but he talks about like it, about that. And that's, that's just uh something I heard recently that, you know, the culture engaging with reformed theology was interesting.
1: Hmm. Yeah. Huh. Sounds cool. Was there anything while going to Calvin other than of course as we get more into your coming out journey? Um, mm-hmm. was there anything where you were like, Oh, this feels a little bit weird? Or was it was it all like pretty positive up until of course your coming out journey, Ooh. I should say?
2: Well, uh, no, that's, that's a great question. I mean, so I should also say that not everyone who goes to Calvin is a Christian and not everyone is, you know, part of the Christian reformed church. One of my good friends actually Mm -hmm. is agnostic and, um, we had a lot of good conversations like about Mm -hmm. like the existence of God and just life and science and, um, morality and like sexual ethics from, like, a non-Christian perspective, so um, he challenged me a lot in my, like, in my beliefs, and I, I, it was hard, like, it's definitely, like, coming from a public school where religion was, like, so, um, not taboo, but, like, very, like, separation of church and state, it was kind of weird to have professors talking about faith in class. Sometimes I was, like, I had the impulse to say, like, you can't just assume that, or Mm -hmm. you, you need to, uh, at least, like, be more like politically correct or be more hospitable towards people who aren't christians but like Mm -hmm. something i liked about coven is how strong like professors were in their faith and they would uh be like like yeah this is this is what we believe it's not necessarily like always quantifiable by the metrics of um science but it's not supposed to be like science is not religion they're they're totally different things so I definitely had challenges. Yeah. I remember my freshman year, I was in the library and I was like tr- working on an assignment and I just burst into tears because I was like, I don't even know if God exists right now. There were things beyond yeah. that assignment that were just like really uh, challenging for me. But um, mm-hmm. I, I remember I started meeting with this professor and I just like asked him my questions. And um, I think the best mentors are those who don't try to like tell you the answers, but uh, mm-hmm. who try to like get you to ask better questions. Yes. And he's like, yeah, that's that's a valid critique. I don't know either. And that's like so freeing because as we, I mean also part of me wanting to come out and be transparent about like the fact that I, I like have these beliefs, but I'm not like sure of them and I'm not gonna try to make other people like sure of like my own beliefs. Um, because i want us to hold room for like mystery and like skepticism and nuance and curiosity because if we don't have those things if we feel like you know if you're not 100% sure of this then you're a bad christian then that's going to like be really alienating and pe- push people out who have yeah. like more tendencies toward curiosity
1: yes. yeah i definitely agree with that like being able to ask i like the idea of being able to ask better questions cuz i think
0: mm-hmm.
1: doubt and questioning is so demonized from right. actually oh. like yeah. it's at the heart
0: of faith right i mean like that's yeah like that's how your journey is supposed to kind of go <laughs>
2: yeah um i know i i think i heard this conversation with i want to say it's tish harrison or tish harris War-
0: War- what's her name uh, tish, tish harrison warren, warren who i just yes. also okay because <laughs> this being this episode is going to be released like well, I mean, I guess in a few weeks, but it'll still be probably in people's minds. She kind of had a really bad take in the New York Times the other day. Oh, wait, you're, yeah. you're going to talk about that? Okay. No, <laughs> oh. I was going to preface it with, like, I know that th- this is
2: a hot topic right now, but we need to, uh, we need to get past any... Okay. No, well, we still need to hold her accountable. Yeah. Um, but she was also on this podcast I talked about, it's called Cultivated, and she talked about how when we um, equate, like, like faith and faithfulness with like not having any doubts that's not a good metric because we need curiosity and we find god in asking those questions and
0: yet but yes insists. say what you're gonna okay, say yeah. about so, her yet she op-ed. insists okay she says that right but then she insists that like oh we need to get rid of online church now because worship needs to be embodied and therefore it needs to be in person which is just all kinds of like wrong <laughs> like <laughs> You know, because, I mean... Also, if you're you're saying that like right at the end of a spike in cases, like why why now? Yeah. (laughs) Um, and like I I mean I find that
1: so interesting. I mean, because it's like I feel like so many amazing things can happen virtually as well. Like I feel like a lot of my I mean, so many disabled the great church experiences have been online. Yeah, for the
0: first time, a lot of disabled people actually have so many options for where they can go to church. And, Mm -hmm. um, you know what what Tish says in her article is she's like. Oh, we can just go back to visiting, visiting people to give them the Eucharist, like a, a few people coming to people's houses who are housebound, just like the church has done for centuries. And it's like, well, why not both also? But like, yeah, <laughs> if, it, if it's safe, you know, for people to visit the, the housebound.
1: But yeah. Um, and likewise, like I've met people who are now able to go to affirming churches mm-hmm, because mm-hmm. there might not be some in their area physically, but they can go online like, that's also very, very important, is finding community that's welcome, even if it's virtual. Yeah,
0: yeah. another thing, okay, okay, I don't like that the New York Times, I, I'm sorry that we're dwelling on this, but, like, the- No, like no, that the, no, 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 I love it. <laughs> the New York Times keeps calling her an Anglican priest, and I'm like, she is a part of the Anglican Church in America, which is not the Episcopal Church. She is not an Anglican, she's a homophobic Anglican cosplayer. Like, I'm sorry. <laughs> Mm-hmm. interesting okay also i
2: i you might have to cut this out i misspoke it was not her it was someone else with three <laughs> names and it was actually jen of michael and she said that it was it was more about i i like looking look my notes because i like to take notes when i listen to podcasts it was about mm-hmm. um christianity and like doubt still the same idea that i said just mm-hmm. the, a completely different person and she said that we can also find God in the habits um, whereas mm-hmm. like if you might not like believe in God um, that's that's fine it's not a prerequisite you don't have to like you can find God in the habit of diving into scripture and like if our intellectuality makes it hard for us to find God like don't fret that's normal there are so many other ways that we can find him but um, also very appreciate what was said about our other three name
0: friend. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah, it's too many three It, was, many it was definitely like the hot topic on, <laughs> on Christian Twitter this week. Like, it was the topic. <laughs> <laughs> oh.
2: Yeah. Also, let me say, um, similarly to the online church thing, I love like ev- evangelical historian Twitter and
0: like mm. progressive Christianity Twitter because. Do you listen they, to Straight White American Jesus? podcast the straight white american jesus podcast
2: who no but wait who hosts it bradley
0: onishi no i, I don't know if i've heard of it's one, really actually. great i mean evangelical history like that is that is the main topic so amazing <laughs> yeah um
2: i'm gonna have to listen to that but like at first i thought like social media is fake it's stupid it's just like you know in I I don't know you should just pick up the phone and like call your grandmother but like Twitter there is such a community and I feel like I've found that and it's made me like the pandemic has made me appreciate social media for the good parts of it um because in the past I've been like very like boomerang all or nothing like I went a semester in college where I only checked social media on Tuesdays which was great for my mental health but I was pretty like Mm -hmm. disconnected from what was happening in the world outside of, mm-hmm. you know, my roommates and my classes. Now I'm in a, you know, I've boomeranged back to being on Twitter all the time, which honestly I, I appreciate the benefits of. So social media is not yeah. just bad. Yeah. <laughs> my takeaway.
0: <laughs> I mean, definitely.
2: Yeah, I can even,
1: like, attest to, like, TikTok as well. Like, like as so many of my friends did, uh, downloaded TikTok as a joke. Um, <laughs> and now I'm on it. Oh, percent and... me. And there's such an amazing progressive clergy and progressive Christian community on there, like if you know what to look for. Like it's like interesting, like with the algorithm. Like once you find one, you're gonna find a bunch. And mm-hmm. I think that's awesome, especially for like young, queer kids who are like just on TikTok and they might not know oh. that God loves them. And they have yeah, nothing. I only just think about
0: how people like, like me, but I...
1: people like priests and stuff saying the exact same thing were very well read in scripture
0: if i had like actually yeah. searched for christian community on like twitter or i definitely when i was in high school i was not gonna make an instagram that was my thing because it was too popular you know i was not yeah like, the girls. <laughs> yeah yes literally <laughs> um but like if i just i don't know i could have been if i well i feel like if things were the way they are now it would have been so much easier to like found places like QCF. I didn't find QCF until um, I was in college, so, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so you, um, you came, wait, sorry. Remind me when you came out at, uh, in- October publicly. 16th,
2: 2020.
0: Well, that's oh, when wow. I came out
2: publicly to the world, but I, mm-hmm. I came out to um, my mom my freshman year of college, and then came out to my dad the you know a few months before the op-ed was published
0: and Whoa, I to you got friends, like, like an op-ed like, that's how
2: like that's zero. how you came I'm out ed. publicly yeah yes oh
0: wow.
2: what <laughs> i well i wrote an op op-ed like anyone can write an op-ed in our school newspaper it's literally you just mm-hmm. you just pitch an editor i mean that's still cool, um, so cool though yeah so i came out in in an op-ed and um before i did that i wanted to make sure that you know, our school administrators were not caught off guard. I'm not like a tear it down kind of person. You know, I was the president. So I have to represent Calvin University. And um, I mean, I don't have to represent like the CRC. But I, I know that like, I want to view these fellow administrators and like other elected officials and just school leaders as partners. I didn't want to go behind their backs and be like, hey, like, F you, I'm, like, this, like, crazy, tear-down kind of person. And, like, you, you can be. I could have done that. But I, mm-hmm. I knew that I had relationships, and I also wanted to use my platform to uh, highlight this part of my story that other students I know would relate to. Yeah.
0: So. Yeah, what was that process like? I mean, both coming to terms with your queerness and then sort of finally getting up the nerve to, like, come out publicly
2: yeah so coming to terms with my sexuality um I think I start I mean I ha- I had crushes on girls ever since elementary school I just didn't know that that's what they were like
0: so many oh same names. oh my god yeah. so like <laughs> friendships where I was literally like I had one friendship where like I imagined singing songs from high school musical to her <laughs> like... oh
1: my gosh <laughs> that's yes. amazing
0: <laughs> yes
1: yeah or it's even that notion no. of like oh I don't like her I just want to be her confidant, and oh. be the only person she talks to, and kind of just be her, but I don't like, That's it's not worst. a crush, like, God forbid.
2: <laughs> <laughs> totally, so that was my experience, um, and then in high school, I was, like, actually asked myself, like, hey, like, am I queer, am I bisexual, am I a lesbian, like, what's, what's the deal here, because I know that I felt romantic uh, attraction towards women, and then, And then I remember in one of my journals, um, when I first got to college, I was like, okay, turning over a leaf, I am now a Christian and therefore I'm also straight. And that's (laughs) kind of what that meant to me. And I remember like this journal entry that I wrote on my first week of college, I was like, I'm so glad I'm straight. I finally made it in like (laughs) Christianity and I am now like straight. And then like a few weeks later I fell hard and fast for one of my friends who was a woman and i was like mm, <laughs> uh, i take that back in fact i am not straight so um like having that clarity it was that i kind of locked it in like okay i like i'm, I'm not gonna be able to play it straight um and and like have like knowing that about myself kind of pushed me to start thinking about what it meant and there's a lot of discomfort in that. And there's a lot of, uh, cognitive dissonance. And because of that discomfort, like, I'm not going to say that I figured out everything and I have like a perfect stance and I want to go tell the world and be an advocate. I want to be there in the discomfort for other young queer kids who are struggling through that. And like, I want to, because I had nobody in that discomfort, like, um, I mean, I, I probably did have people, I was just too scared to reach out. And, uh, and, and I saw nobody publicly, like, grappling with that discomfort. And that's, like, part of the reason why I yeah. wanted to come out and um, to show people that, like, yeah, it's hard, and uh, you're not alone. And that's really, I mean, that's, a, you know, kind of a, a broad goal. And I know my goal could have been, like, I want to change this denomination and, like, and that's, that's also, uh, you know, a commendable goal, but mine was just, like, I want to help the sophomore year me, and, like, if I can make at least one person, like, feel a little less alone, then it'll be worth it, so that was, that was kind of why I spent a lot of time crying myself to sleep my sophomore year of college, it was just a rough time, Um, I was, like, secretly in this relationship you know we'd break up and get back together every few days you, you know how it goes <laughs> and then mm-hmm. um i spent some time in chicago i did a summer internship and then lived alone or not not lived alone like was kind of just on my own a big city and realized like hey like i i can do this i i just felt more confident as a person and with that newfound confidence i wanted to bring that back and just be like more unapologetically myself because there are so many people who are in that like cycle of just like self-hate and insecurity and like crying and dissonance and um Mm -hmm. yeah and then okay and then i and then fast forward um the pandemic struck i was like you know looking for something to do i ran for president because you know (laughs) why not and um i won and then I I talked with my campaign manager, and we intentionally decided that my sexuality would not be like a selling point of my campaign. Um, people have mm-hmm. ha- people have a lot of thoughts on this. If you Google like you know the the bad things about me, you you can find really like intelligently put together pieces on like why that was like um, deceitful to do. And I I still don't regret what I did. You know I don't think that it should be yeah. a priority of yeah, any you, candidate you to declare anyone. their sexuality yeah you don't
0: owe that to however, anyone yeah
2: however like, like it, a straight it person was wouldn't like do that like a gotcha you know like people so yeah there. you know there are definitely valid critiques and I don't regret the way I did it but we were intentional about having me um my marketing in the campaign was about like my qualifications for the position and just that and then um i decided to come out after i had already been elected and and part of me wonders like would i have won the election if i was upfront about my sexuality like maybe not and then maybe i wouldn't have the same platform to um have people you know see themselves in my story so there are pros and cons to you know whatever whatever way that i could have approached that but i don't regret the way i did it um because i was able to Work within the system and have a bigger reach, so that's that's what coming out was like. Yeah. Oh, and then afterwards, people always assume that it was like vitriol and hatred, and it was not. People are uh, really kind, and so 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 <laughs> many people like DM'd me and they came out to me and they're like, "Hey, I just want to say, oh, I awesome. uh, oh. yeah 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 truly, people were very kind of supportive, and like I'm not gonna name names, but like even people in, um, like, high positions at the university and within the denomination, like, reached out to me showing solidarity and support, and they might not have agreed with, like, um, what I did or how I did it, but they still saw me as a person and wanted to show love and wanted to support, uh, me and other queer folks, so, um, I became really good friends, not really good, I became friends with, um, a professor who actually, I think the week before had published an op-ed in the paper in our student newspapers about um, just advocating for traditional view of marriage, and I'm somebody who's not easily offended. I like, I feel very like I felt called to you know the whole president thing because I'm able to have conversations with you know mm-hmm. people who disagree about nuanced things, and um, he had published this op-ed. And then I started just, like, going over to his house with his family and just eating dinner and, like, getting to know his kids and, like, playing board games with, like, his eight-year-old and and stuff like that. And um, I was glad that they were able to just, like, have someone in their life who, like, even though their dad has pretty, like, conservative stances on this, like, they know that there are gay Christians who exist and, like, without me being receptive and without him wanting to, like, Reach out and invite me into mm-hmm. his home and into his life. Then that would not have been possible. So I'm I'm glad that we got to know each mm-hmm. other and his kids kids got to know at least like one queer person. Um, so yeah, yeah, it was it was really supportive and I felt really cared for and and loved. Um, yeah. There was this incident. A few uh, months after I came out, there was like this table that you know popped up on our lawn. It's called Commons Lawn. It's basically like a big quad area, and it said LGBTQ is sin, Bible says so. Change my mind. It was one of those like change my mind tables. Oh my god! And, oh. Um, I didn't respond the best I could. I was I was like, you know, we can just like all agree to disagree, but like people have opinions and like as student body president I am proud to represent all students and like that was very tone deaf in a moment where so many queer folks were like hurting and feeling devalued and they felt like their existence was minimized to a mere debate and Mm -hmm. um, that I as their president was you know inviting other people to just like join in on the debate and that was dehumanizing and I I admitted that I apologize publicly for that Um, because what queer folks needed in that in that time was support and was a reminder that hey this is actually really hurtful when uh, something like this happens and like if you're gonna say you're the first openly gay student body president you can't just be all like oh I love everyone even even when that's like even when people are feeling uh vulnerable and feeling really hurt so I made mistakes I wasn't perfect like just because I'm Queer doesn't mean I'm like immune to perpetuating homophobia and cisnormativity mm-hmm. and things like that. I'm I'm not perfect, and I, I was glad that I had a big constituency of 3,000 students to hold me accountable and help me learn. Yeah. Being president was really a fast track to uh, helping me learn so many life lessons really quickly, yeah. and I'm so glad for that. I also was uh pretty upfront about the fact that like not everybody gets that experience like it's not fair like I benefit from like knowing the language of like higher Christian higher education and like you know being cisgender and like straight passing whatever that means like I I don't know I
0: Mm.
2: I know that I have a lot of privilege with my family and like it's it's not fair that like me this like already like very privileged person like gets celebrated as this hero. Whereas like so many queer folks like come out and they're like disowned by their families or just like not supported or cut off financially, or they don't even come out yeah. to their families. Um, I know this one person DM or they didn't, we had a conversation. And they're like, yeah, I'm not going to come out until I'm fan- financially stable because my parents mm-hmm. would mm-hmm. not support me and I need yeah. them for college yeah. stuff. So yeah, it, it's like an uncomfortable, um, contrast that I also saw in in coming out, it, uh, it's gross, but yeah, it, I remember. It, it I think when
0: I remember when um, Matty Easton, he I believe it was in 2019. He was the I think maybe the valedictorian at Brigham Young University. That's the Mormon university. Oh yeah, he came out in yeah, his graduation yeah. speech, and I think he did face yeah. some shit for that. So yeah, so it's always cool to see I... like yeah when someone comes out and it's like a much better like someone in a position yeah. like yours comes out and it's a much better experience mm-hmm. that's encouraging mm-hmm. to
1: see yeah and i don't know if we discussed this but what was calvin's official stance on
0: and like christian being... reformed church that is it the christian reformed church because i know there's also reformed church in america which is like a different i think it is yeah
2: so calvin is owned it's like the flagship university of the christian reformed church so mm-hmm. by by extension calvin holds um the denomination stance which is traditional uh stance of marriage marriages between a man and a woman so that's the stance but they won't i uh, when i was a, when i was a vice president my sophomore year i remember talking to um an administrator and i was like hey like what would happen if i were hypothetically uh in a relationship with a woman <laughs> and he was like um like nobody would really stop you like you're you're allowed to do that so it's not really it's kind of it's a great it's definitely a great area and it's mm-hmm. something that our denomination was, was was grappling with at the time and still is um there's this yeah. report on human sexuality that has been under review for i mean since 1972 Whoa. or three but that kind of came up Jeez. recently um because there is a lesbian there's a deacon who was in a she was like married to a woman and that was um it like you know made some some news in the community um so it was a conversation that the nomination had been having and i was lucky to be able to add my voice and my story to the conversation that had been happening for years because it just happened to coincide with my presidency yeah Mm -hmm. Yeah. that's amazing and also another thing yeah, and another thing to I, so many people were like, "Wow, it's a, such a time as this moment." Like, there are so many mentors who use that phrase, like "such a time as this," because <laughs> from Esther, I, was really... I mean, that's
0: like a very Christian thing, you know? Because like it from is, but Esther, it's it so. was
2: fascinating. Be- yes, it was fascinating because, um, like, I had studied marketing um, and I was very active on social media. I um, like, no other president had had, like, an Instagram for their presidency before, but, like, because I was, like, very, like, comfortable with public speaking and marketing myself and, like, using videos and vlogging and things like that, I was, I just, you know, used that to educate the student body about, like, what's happening, what are we voting on, what are our budget proposals, mm-hmm. um, what are the concerns and how are we addressing them, so that was, like, a such time as this moment, and then, you know, coming out when the domination is having this huge conversation um, was another such times this moment. And what else happened? I don't know. They're just like things. Oh, and then like the, the Atlanta spa shootings happened and I like being Mm. like a person of Asian descent. um, It was another moment where I was able to use my identity um, at least one of my identities to help uh, support students who were
1: feeling distraught at Mm -hmm. At a really tough time. Yeah, it just seems like for such a time as this, but it seems like you've you've been very much in the right place at the right time for so Mm -hmm. many Mm -hmm. different major changes. Honestly, Mm -hmm. it was a lot of putting
2: out fires uh, during during the year, but I was like really thankful that like I was able to be the person to do it.
0: Um, You did bring up, you know, your your identity as um, an Asian American woman, and I am curious about Mm -hmm. how that has impacted your. Experience of church.
2: Ooh, it really hasn't, to be honest. Um, but I, like I said, being like a straight passing, whatever that means. I'm also like quote white passing, also whatever that means. People don't really view me as a person of color, and I don't consider myself a person of color. My dad, who is Japanese, uh, calls himself a person of color. My mom's, you know, obviously white. Um, and my sister, she was also student body president of her high school, um, the same year that I was and um we like i remember the day that the shootings i called her and i was like dude like we are like kind of asian but like not asian enough but like there's this thing that happened and we need to like speak up and like do some statement but like, like we're also kind of hurting and we're trying to act like we're mm-hmm. not hurting it was like such an interesting dynamic and she was like literally the only person in the world i mean there mm-hmm. were probably also half asian student body presidents in 2020 2021 <laughs> but like i'm glad that i had her to talk about that because not everyone yeah has that um and then back to the church thing, I've always um, been in predominantly white churches up to college in uh, in North Carolina. It was, you know, pretty white environment. And then and at Calvin, I actually started going to this church called Living Water CRC. And it was like kind of uh, it was pretty diverse and it was like majority Asian um, folks attended, which was really interesting. And our um, pastor had an accent and it kind of just felt like home. I, I really, um, it, it, so it was like within the CRC and it was a bunch of my friends who attended and, um, yeah, so much love for that church. And, um, and then here I attend a a church that's also, I've been attending virtually, but it's called Ann Arbor CRC. It's a Christian reformed church. And from the backs of people's heads, it looks, uh, pretty, you know, like an older, older congregation and not super diverse, but Mm -hmm. I don't, uh. I guess like that's that's not something I need like I'm happy to not not every queer person wants or has to be like the token like queer person the token Mm -hmm. half Asian person but I'm like I don't I don't mind it I've I was raised in like very like professional white I don't know like spaces where this was the norm and you had to like act a certain way and I'm happy to um bring some like difference in thought and identity to these spaces because I don't I don't mind doing it and I know that like not a lot of queer people like doing that and I shouldn't like you should never ask someone from Marjani's background to be the token only yeah
1: absolutely I think that's important and I'm like it's cool that you are willing to put yourself out there like that and be like yeah like I'll speak on this or do my very best to speak on this Mm -hmm. because I know that there are probably a lot of people that really appreciate that
0: I guess I don't I guess as we sort of reach you know point in the conversation we talk about like what you're doing now and how you know your faith background and you're coming out and how that like impacts you know the work that you do um Mm -hmm. like I guess you're doing work in radio
2: (gasps) right now that's a good talking point I actually would love to talk about this so It's really yeah. interesting because in journalism, you're supposed to tell the story. You're not supposed to be the story. And, like, very few people in journalism, media, public radio have also had news articles written about them. That's actually, like, a red flag. And, like, whenever I have job interviews, I fully expect oh. that that will come up and I know how to address it. Um, th- the thing that I say is, like, I'm not – this is, uh, like, I, this is not a journalism like talking to you. I'm not talking as a journalist. I'm talking as a queer Christian. Um, and I'm obviously mm-hmm. all of these things. I'm a, you know, Dutch, Japanese, queer woman of faith who works in public radio and journalism, but, um, it's, it's something that y- you're kind of still expected to, um, not bring your whole self to work yeah. in that, in that way. And I've talked yeah. to supervisors about this and they've said like, it's, it's very different. Um, it, you know, being the news versus, like like telling people what it's like to you know live as as Claire Marishima those are different things but there's still this kind of standard of you should like avoid this because this is this is bad and you need to be like a unbiased journalism journalist as as best you can so that's tension I've navigated but ultimately like life is short we're all gonna die and I want to like have (laughs) queer kids feel a little bit more loved by, before the time I die. So that's, that's what I feel Yes. at this yes. point.
1: Absolutely. What sort of journalism, um, like, is there like a speci- I don't even know how to even ask this question. Is there like a yeah. specific type of, type of journalism, journalism that you enjoy? Yeah.
2: Yes. Yes. So I, like I said, I'm a daily news producer for Stateside, mm-hmm. which is a daily news show about Michigan stories. And it's from Mm -hmm. Michigan radio. Um, I started as an intern. Actually, let me, let me tell you about my foray into journalism first.
1: So (laughs) I
2: actually started, um, so I majored in business. I had like internships at think tanks and nonprofits and a PR firm. And I thought I was going to kind of go into like non the nonprofit world, do something like that. But then at the beginning of the pandemic, I started um, Guy Raz, who hosts the podcast, How I Built This. He started doing live shows each week at the start of the pandemic. And like um, you could submit listener questions. So I started doing that. And as student body president, I asked a lot of questions to fellow leaders about Like, how can we amplify Black voices without being performative and tokenizing? Or like, how are you keeping up your professional relationships during such a, you know, remote style of work? Or um, like, is this moment with Black Lives Matter, like, is this different? Um, Is this going to cause lasting change for businesses? So just kind of things that I was wrestling through as newly elected president. I'd ask these questions and a lot of them got answered actually on the show and they made it into show episodes. And like, I heard my name on like seven of these episodes and I was like, wow, that's, that's, that's significant. Like, I'm not just asking for help for my own thing. Like I'm good at asking questions. Um, So then I started to think like, maybe, maybe I could kind of pivot and do this for a career. And I realized that so how I built this is a show about, um, entrepreneurs and how they started their stories. And I kind of Mm -hmm. viewed myself as like an entrepreneur, like a girl boss figure, like, you know, an idealist, a Mm -hmm. go-getter, a hustler. I was going to like build something and be on the show or something like that. But after, after like the pandemic, I was like, you know, I think that I should be the one asking the questions rather than the one answering them. So, um, Mm. I pivoted and I reached out to like everyone who, not everyone, a lot of folks who worked on that show and, um, had some virtual calls and then so I started hosting this podcast through my school newspaper it was kind of awkward because I was both like the government and the press so lots of conflicts of interest lots of bias <laughs> definitely not a journalism best practice and should never be done however I did it because I was making a career switch and uh, so I was making a career switch and um I I just decided to to do the podcast and then um, during that time, I reached out to a lot of the folks who worked for how I built this, which is the podcast that I loved. And I would listen to the live events with different founders and leaders of organizations. And, um, I, you know, got a virtual coffee with a ton of the producers and, um, applied for journalism jobs, but you know, with no experience in the field, uh, maybe not surprisingly, I did not get any. So I gave mm-hmm. my commencement speech. And, um, people were like, what are you doing afterwards? I'm like, I'm going home to live with my parents and I don't have a job. So, um, that was what I did. And about 24 hours after I gave my speech at graduation, I got an email from, um, someone at NPR and they're like, Hey, we're actually looking for freelance researchers for this show. And I was like, no way that is the like the job of my dreams i am in so um starting in may i started researching for how i built this and um before each podcast is recorded with guy there is an intense research um process that happens and i am so honored and lucky that i'm able to be the person who puts together that research um among i mean i'm not the only person yeah so it's it's cool to work freelance for npr i'm not an employee Mm -hmm. but Um, I work with one of their incredible editors who has been at NPR for um, a while and just has so much expertise and knowledge that she imparts onto me and stateside, um, is also great. I I love the team. Um, it's every day, if you live in Michigan or if you don't, you can stream it. Um, you can tune in from three to four and from nine to 10 PM to hear the show there are three segments. Uh, we call them the A, the B, and the C. And what I do is I produce one of them each day, usually. So I'll get an assignment at like 9.30, 10 o'clock. Um, we'll do an interview. It'll be done by like 12 o'clock. And then, you know, maybe it's 20 minutes, maybe it's 25 minutes. And I need it edit it down to either 12 and a half or 17 about minutes. Um, so <laughs> it can go on the radio at 3 p.m. So I work really... Quickly, I use Audition. I mix it down. I find music from Blue Dot Sessions. I fact check. Um, you know, cut the ums and awkward silences and the zoom <laughs> cutouts. And um, then I hear what I did on the radio at 3 p.m. and it's like so gratifying to like just do a really quick wow. turnaround and give people the news that they need like right when it happens. So. And the team is like incredible. I love the people I work with, but I can't help, but, um, think about, Oh, okay. And another thing I got this internship in September and, um, started uh, like be. and I became a producer, like a full producer in November. I was like kind of promoted cause we had somebody who went on a, a parental leave and the it's a temp job. So it ends in uh, a few months actually. But, um, it, when I first graduated and I, and I was only freelancing for NPR, I hadn't gotten the Michigan radio internship. I also taught art classes at one of those paint and sip art studios. And, um, I'm also an oil painter, so I couldn't help but recognize the parallels between, um, daily news and like long form. So how I built this, you know, it's the episodes are like an hour and a half long, but stateside it's, (laughs) um, the three shows they're, the three segments are like between 12 and 17 minutes. And um, for, for teaching art classes, it's like very immediate. Like it doesn't need to be perfect. You don't need to like, you know, be the next Picasso. It just needs to be, you need to teach people how to paint a piece and it needs to be done in two hours. Like done is better than perfect. And it's more about the experience and getting them out of there on time. But like I'm also an oil painter and my favorite brush is about a quarter of a centimeter long. Um, the bristles are about the size of like an oat. and I love to like get in the details and it kind of reminds me of how I built this, my research because I have weeks to work on those assignments and yeah. I can make them as perfect as possible. and like it's not important that it gets out like on time. It, I can like really prioritize excellence. so I've learned a lot about just in in news um, and art, and I think that there are a lot of parallels there and I am really thankful for my jobs and I know that it's really hard to break into journalism, especially if you don't have any experiences. So if anybody wants to talk and wants career advice
1: about breaking into public radio, hit me up.
2: I'm on Twitter, Instagram, all the socials.
1: Yes, absolutely. And as we are wrapping up our interview for today, um, I know you were mentioned in the socials, but where can people find you? Um, how yes. can we best support what you do and your work and the shows that you produce? Um, we would love to know how to best support you. Uh, my
2: DMs are open on Twitter. I'm Murashima and on Instagram, DMs are also open, Claire Murashima am also Claire Murashima on Facebook. But I don't think people really use facebook anymore (laughs) and the shows again are stateside from michigan radio and how i built this from npr
0: so cool i'm so happy for you that you're like pursuing your dreams and being a cool voice for lgbtq christians
2: thank you i also will say that for all of the like agnostic cis white progressive women in public radio i have never met a person who is half japanese half dutch christian and queer and working in public radio and a woman so that's kind of unfortunate and i don't know if i ever will um public radio is a small industry but um you know there's not a lot of us actually there there's exactly one of us (laughs) that i know of so far um so i'm happy to i don't know i if if you're if you're a fellow japanese dutch queer christian woman in public radio please let me know but then again like
0: (laughs) i haven't met you yet
2: so it's 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 hard out here but it's it's good and i'm i'm making a way and uh yeah
0: yeah
1: that's amazing well we can't wait to see where you keep going in this amazing career and it was an absolute honor to have you on the show today
2: thanks for having me
1: we're working on an outro song this is just the placeholder yeah! That
0: was such an amazing conversation. Um, I'm so glad that we were able to have it. And I definitely will be checking out um, the podcast that she mentioned because that's so cool that it's like, oh my God, I have a friend who works well, not even just podcasts, like radio shows. So um, yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah, I can't wait to um, support what she does. And hopefully you have found some new podcasts and new radio shows to listen to because they sound awesome. And yeah, we are always happy to give our guests, um, just all the shout outs, all the praise. Cause when one of us succeeds, we all succeed. And we think it's important to amplify all different types of voices.
0: Yes. Uh, so we're going to go ahead into our high of the week, which first off, we both have a collective high of the week that we're very excited. Yes! about. Yes. <laughs> so by the time this episode airs, um, Anna and I will have met in person. It was a bit of a surprise mm-hmm. we were expecting. Uh, to to meet in person um, at the at the 2023 Q Christian Fellowship Conference. But because Mm -hmm. of the trip to kind of surprise trip, I guess, to DC, um, we're gonna get to meet uh, in a few days. So that's kind of crazy. I'm
1: so excited. Um, We're gonna definitely have photos on our social media. Will we be crying in them? Who knows? Uh, We'll see.
0: I know. Probably.
1: (laughs) It's so funny, I was telling my parents, and they are also very excited, They're like, oh, you get to meet April, <laughs> like, like, yeah, so yeah, we're very excited, so by the time this episode comes out, we will have met in person, and that will be awesome, but we do have individual highs of the week as well, so April, do you have one you wanted to start off with?
0: You can start off with yours first, because you you got a more uh, obvious one in your mind, I think. <laughs>
1: Yeah, so my high of the week is I got two more grad school offers, um, to options! Fordham and to University of New Hampshire. So now I have three acceptances, which means I have options and I can start uh, figuring out what the heck my next couple of years are gonna look like. Um, and I'm really excited because there was a, I had to overcome a lot of imposter syndrome to even be able to do the thing. I was like, I'm not gonna get into college. I'm a complete dumbass, but I'm not because now I have validation <laughs> from universities that I am actually kind of smart so I'm very very excited to have um options it's just been a good week for that
0: yeah I'm so excited for you that you now have more options and all that jazz um and um for me I mean honestly I would say that this week has been kind of like not really anything out of the ordinary I mean I had um some a long weekend I guess because um because as a substitute teacher, there were, like, a few student holidays this week, so I didn't need to work, Uh. um, so that was nice, and I've been, I've been working on more edits on my memoir, and, uh, again, I can't, I don't want to, like, say what jobs I'm applying for, because I don't know if I'm going to get them, but I'm excited about the jobs that I'm applying for, so. That's awesome. Um, Woo! Um, well, um, we will, oh, wait, you need to give the plug first, I was about to, yeah.
1: Okay. (laughs) Yeah, so, uh, As per usual, be sure to follow us on all the social medias, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, YouTube. Um, We also have a Patreon if you would like to support what we do, um, because Anna would like a better microphone, um, and just better equipment in general. But even if you aren't able to donate, um, you just being able to listen and rate and review on Apple Podcasts, and I guess Spotify does ratings now as well.
0: Notice that. Um, unfortunately, you cannot give uh, Joe Rogan's podcast a bad rating unless you listen to it. So, oh well. <laughs> cause I'm no, not thank you. I'm it, I'm
1: good. Yeah. <laughs> I think I can go my entire life happy and satisfied without by the way, to um, Joe you know, Rogan.
0: <laughs> our podcast is technically mainly offered through Spotify because of it's connect- anchors connected to Spotify. But we have seen in our analytics that only like a third of you guys listen there anyway. So, mm-hmm. yeah.
1: Yeah. And then of course, one last plug, um, we do have our merch store. So if you would like to show off your Bible like energy, you can get a t-shirt or you can get a mug and those are available on Teespring. Um, and again, thank you all so much for your support and listening and reviews. We love, 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 uh, receiving DMS from people and hearing feedback Mm -hmm. and yeah, we're just very grateful for all of you. Um, and we will see you in our next episode where we're going to be talking about
0: spiritual practices because it's going to be actual. Yes. So yeah, that'll be fun to talk about like what they were like in the past and how that shifted, how they are now. Woo, It'll be fun. Yes.
1: We will see you all in a couple weeks.